Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Osband, our daf of the day, Masachet Yuma, daf Dalit, page four. Uh, okay, so Amun Aleph really basically continues the discussion that has already been, you know, extensively explored on daf Gimel, where we've got this dispute between Rabbi Yochan and Reish Lakish. And then, you know, the Gemara comes to bring supports, one for Reish, Rabbi Yochanan, one for Reish Lakish. What I want to do right now is look at the bright, there's a bright at the very end of Amad Aleph, which is brought to support Reish Lakish in this dispute with Rabbi Yochanan, which we've already discussed. But what's interesting to me is the bright in its own right, meaning independent of the dispute between them and whether it could be functioning as a support, we just have a, like a nice piece of, I guess, description, really, of Mamad Harsinai, of the giving of the Torah, uh, at Harsinai, at Mount Sinai, or at least Moshe's uh, travels up there. Here's how it goes. Tanya Kavatid Reish Lakish, again, right? Because the bright is being brought in accord with the opinion of Reish Lakish. Moshe Allah Ba'anan. So this is Moses. Moshe ascended to the mountain in a cloud. Vinit Kasa Ba'anan, and he's covered by the cloud. Vinit Kadesh Ba'anan. Anan, and he was sanctified or consecrated in the cloud, in order that he would accept the Torah um, for Yisrael, for Bnei Israel, with holiness, with sanctity. Okay, so so this is already you know a very interesting description that he goes up and like he's he's the implication is at least that from below and maybe even from around him he's surrounded by a cloud. All of the time, right? He goes up in a cloud. He's covered by a cloud. He is sanctified in a cloud so that he can get the Torah in Kedusha. And I'm trying to understand here, right? The, you know, off the cuff, you know, it's the kind of a, a the assumption here says, well, so that he could be, except the Torah in Kedusha, I would not automatically think that being covered by a cloud would mean that you are now going to be sanctified to receive the Torah. We have a proof text. There's a verse in Shemot, Kavdalid Tetzayin, Exodus twenty four sixteen. So this now begins to you know explain what's going on that the kavod Hashem, the glory of God, dwelled on Har Sinai on the Mount Sinai. So the fact that right the glory of God is up there and the cloud covers him really now for six days right now this really this is getting in that's why it's here as part of the the sequestering discussion right but it covers him for six days. And then Hashem calls to Moshe on the seventh day from the midst of the cloud. Now, how do I know that? Because if you look up that verse, that's what happened, right? We've got the glory of the cloud that is cited here. And the rest of the verse explains or, or tells the story of how God calls him on the seventh day from the cloud, from the midst of the cloud. Okay. So the Gemara explains that this took place after the giving of Aser Tzedibrot. Right, because those six days, meaning these six days where he's up there again, right, is the beginning of the forty days for which he's going to wait to get uh, the, I guess, the second tablets. So, and this is according to the, the opinion of Rabbi Yossi Haglili, um, meaning that Rabbi Yossi Haglili fundamentally lines up his opinion fundamentally lines up with Rish Lakish in terms of the six days that Moshe kind of was there, but not there, right? He's not yet really in the presence of God. He's not yet being invited in while he's he's left B'nai Israel. He's there in the cloud. He's somehow getting sanctified or consecrated, whatever, to be able to accept the Torah in Kedushah with a sanctity. 
um, and before he's called in, you know, with permission to go before God. So, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting piece of agarita, I think, in terms of, I mean, I understand the halakhic discussion that this is supporting the idea in terms of the sequestering, but the, you know, in terms of being akin to revelation. But here, I think the question is, you know, or the, the story is really about what happened on Har Sinai and the fact that we don't always process, I think, I don't always process, that Moshe had some time up there by himself, right, before he's then communing with God, you know, kind of shifts the, the way we might envision his experience and the way perhaps Ben Israel down at the bottom of the mountain envisioned the experience for him as well. I, I got to say six days up in the cloud by yourself is a long time. Definitely a long time. And, you know, I think this is a great brisa because it really just shows us a whole thought process around what actually occurred during Matan Torah. I think part of what this staff is trying to do is really explore this idea. And it does make sense. And, you know, I said yesterday that I'm on Team Rish Lakish about this, that comparing this experience of Moshe to the experience of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur makes a lot of sense to me. And I like this parallel much better than the parallel of, you know, the inauguration of the Mishkan to the experience of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur. Um, but, you know, what happens later on in this stuff is interesting where it sort of goes through this machlokas between Rabbi Yossi Aglili and Rabbi Akiva, really trying to understand, you know, this pasuk of Vayishkon Kavod Hashem al Harsinai, Vayichasehu Hanan Sheshag Amin, Vayikral Moshe, Vayom Hashvi'i. Um, so this is a Pasuk from Shmod Perk Chavdal of Pasuk Tadzayan, chapter 24, verse 16. And they have totally different starting points about how to understand this. So they basically take this Pasuk and divide it up into four parts, right? By Yishkon Kavod Hashem al-Har Sinai. So according to Rabbi Yosei Aglili, this event takes place on the 7th of Sivan. And according to Rabbi Akiva, it takes place on Rosh Chodesh Sivan. Right. So then you have to figure out how are you counting those six days? So if you count from the seventh, according to Rabbi Yossi Haglili, right, you get to the Bayom Hashvi turns out to be the 13th day. Whereas if you count it according to Rabbi Akiva, that seventh day ends up being the seventh day of Sivan. And, you know, and they really sort of pull this through um, in exploring all the way of, you know, what the implications of this are even to the point of what does this mean about Shivasar Bitamus, right? Because we know that we say that Shivasar Bitamus is when the Luchot were broken, when the tablets were broken. And that we know was after Moshe was up on the mountain on Harsinai for 40 days. And so according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, if you use his calculation from when Moshe was up there, it actually turns out to be the 23rd of Tammuz. Um, and so how does that work? And so I really appreciated how the Gemara wants to take this all the way through. What's fascinating to me is what gets no mention here is Vav Sivan. We always connect Matan Torah with Shavuot. And I think it's very clear from this Gemara that that is a much newer sort of association of the holiday. There is no mention of Shavuot being uh, the time of Matan Torah because the modern day question you would have in this page is, there's no mention of Vav Sivan, right? It's Zion Sivan seems to be the day. Either you hold by Rabbi Yosei Aglilu that this process began on Zion Sivan or, and then ended on the 13th of Sivan, or you hold like Rabbi Akiva that it begins on Rosh Chodesh Sivan and the process ends on Zion Sivan. 
we in today's world we celebrate Shavuot on Vav Sivan on the sixth day of Sivan, and the whole thing is supposed to be about that. That's the day of Matan Torah. That's when it happened. There is no discussion of Vav Sivan. They are not correlating this with the holiday of Shavuot, and I think it is glaringly missing from our modern day experience of Shavuot on this stuff. But isn't that part of the machloket, right? The part of the dispute over what day really was a Matan Torah and then what day really should Shavuot be, except for that, you know, that's not the, that isn't the discussion at this point, right? But that's the question. Is it whether the sixth of the month or the seventh of the month, theoretically, we're having the holiday on the wrong day. Right. And I just think it's interesting. Like they went as far as to, you know, invoke but there's no discussion of Shavuot in the actual day of Matan Torah. I, I, I think it's missing, and I think it again speaks to, you know, there are, like, let's say the academic point of view is, is that the Shalosh Regalim, you know, Pesach, uh, Shavuot, and Sukkot were really sort of tied to the agricultural cycle. And once that sort of got broken or was not as much of the emphasis, we have now emphasized it, you know, in a different way, that you know, Pesach is the time of celebrating freedom. I mean, again, we all completed Masach Pesachim, and there's not much of a mention of the agricultural piece of Pesach at all. Shavuot is the harvest time, and so is Sukkot. Um, you know, Shavuot being tied to Bikurim and, and Sukkot to sort of the end of the harvest festival. But I just think I was waiting for sort of the discussion of Shavuot and, Ma- and Matan Torah to pop up, and it's just missing from here. So I'm trying to figure out why this didn't bother me, which of course is a you know, a backwards way of thinking about things, perhaps because I knew about this dispute about the sixth and the seventh, you know, and I always just automatically connected it to Shavuot, although maybe that's that's no longer what I should be doing here. Um, but also, I think that we have here a description of Matan Torah, which is the discussion of, you know, what's going on at the time of the giving of the Torah. And that isn't yet about the holiday commemorating the giving of the of the Torah. Right. We're talking about what happened then and that what can we learn from that, perhaps for the sequestering the coin guttle from Kipper, as opposed to saying, what do we do on the holiday of Shavuot, which doesn't actually have many trappings? Well, let me answer the question differently, maybe. And again, I'm just sort of thinking this out loud, you know, by you saying you weren't bothered by it. I don't know that I was bothered by it. It was more something I noted um, is that. Because the emphasis here is on Moshe's experience, not on B'nai Yisrael's experience. So the celebration of Shavuot is the B'nai Yisrael experience of the giving of Matzah Torah. You know, right, right, right. The experience of Matzah Torah. This is really about Moshe's experience, which again is parallel to the singular experience of the Kohen Gadzal and Yom Kippur. And if I want to further that, and maybe this is more of a stretch, but I also mentioned that this is a theme I'm going to take interest in in this Masacha, <laughs> is that, you know, who is the Kohen, who, the, the Avodah of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur? Is it for the Kohen Gadol? Is it for B'nai Israel? Ultimately, I think we're going to come to the conclusion, you know, it's it's a little bit of both. Part of it is for him, like we know he brings a chatzat for himself, for his family, you know, and then some of it is going to be what service he performs on behalf of the people. But I think here we're seeing that emphasis on the singular experience of the designated one, right? Either that experience of Moshe receiving the Torah and going up to Har Sinai or the experience of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur itself. I think also we're seeing, I would say, it's the external um, motions, shall we say, of the experience. Right? We're not being told how did Moshe feel, right? He's technically got to be sanctified in order to be able to go read 
to receive the holy torah right to go um you know encounter god he's got to already have achieved a certain level of kedusha but this is not we we're not hearing about fear and trembling trepidation nothing right or 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 for that matter you know excitement we we're not it's not the focus is i think is on the the circumstances let's say as compared to the personal experience meaning it is the person who's doing the experiencing but we're not we're not seeing it from Moshe's eyes we're just the the it's as if there's a camera let's say zooming in on Moshe and and now I want to say like okay and how did you feel you know what was what were your emotions at this time right like because we're that isn't here either I I would agree with that um and but I really liked how the dot sort of began with Here's a great bracer that supports Rabbi Yochanan. Here's a bracer that supports Rachel Akish. And it was, you know, also just going back to Daf Bet, you know, the Gemara started off was like, oh, yeah, this is just like, you know, we sequester the Kohen Gadol for Yom Kippur. It's the same thing as Paraduma. And then it really kind of took like a full Daf to get into. That's not so clear cut. And not everybody holds exactly like that. You know, starting off with Rabbi Yochanan saying that, you know, it comes from you know, that maybe that's actually rabbinic in origin. And it's just sort of the unfolding of this whole discussion, you know, is the parallel through the inauguration of the Mishkan, is the parallel with Paraduma, and sort of seeing all different viewpoints here on the DAF, and, and all of them getting equal attention is, is great. I would say that we should also take note of the fact that this Masach, at least so far, we're only on a couple of pages in, it, this, it's been very organized. Right. It's very clean. Um, I would agree with that. It's very organized. Yes. In a way that some of our other Masachtot have not been. I mean, you know, most recently, Yishkalem, which we understand. Right. Because it was the Yishalmi and it wasn't edited as, as much and it, whatever. But but here, at least, you know, there are other openings of Masachtot where I, you know, both here and also in my other experience where you feel like, OK, where are we going? And here, like, no, we know where we're going. We're going through the experience of the Kohen Gadol. And we're express, you know, we're, we have to do this analysis of the Paraduma versus Mamanar Sinai, et cetera, to figure out exactly, you know, where do we get the sequestering? What do we gain from the comparison and so on? And it does it so neatly. Rabbi Yochanan, Rish Lakish, Rish Lakish. Oh, that leads to Rabbi Yosei Rabbi Yosei Rabbi Kiva. Oh, very nice. Meaning we've got a package here. You know, if you wanted to chart it out, it would chart nicely. Absolutely. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbanit Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about the stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.